Hey y'all, hey! Welcome to the Seek Joy Sister Podcast where we talk about all things scripture and Jesus. So today's episode, we are going to cover Acts 27 and Acts 28 and we're going to start a new book and go over Romans chapters 1 and 2. Now, I say that we're going to talk about these books, but I only go over the verses that I highlighted along with that joy-filled moment that I felt as I was reading scripture. So, I hope you guys are ready. Go ahead and grab your cup of coffee or whatever it is you enjoy drinking. Let's pretend like we're sitting right across from each other and let's grow our faith together. I want to start with highlighting Acts 27, 10 through 11, and this was by Paul, and he was basically giving the centurion advice on how to sell um, during a storm because the wind started picking up as they were on the way to Italy. So the verse states, Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was a harbor and creek facing both southwest and northwest. And so we see that Paul tried to warn them, tried to save them from facing any disaster. And so it got me to thinking like, man, how many times have I ignored God's advice or ignored what seem to be right just because I listen to other people instead of listening to God or I jumped ahead without really considering my options or even praying out to God you know it's it's almost like we're like designed to do things our own way and we forgot that we have a great powerful mighty merciful loving all-knowing god that is more than ready to guide our steps we just have to get into a position to where we're ready to surrender and go to him first before we do all things I can't tell you how many times I have made a mess of my own life simply because I just rushed in to my decision making or, you know, I was eager to do something based on what was in front of me and I didn't seek God for his counsel. So, and then we go to Acts 27 verses 22 through 25 and it says 
But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. I love how Paul responded to the aftermath of what just happened with so much grace. I mean, he encouraged them to continue the faith and to not be discouraged by the situation that they were in. You see, God allows us to have trials and to serve the consequences of our own actions, but that doesn't mean that he will not help us through it, and it doesn't mean that he's not going to love us through our situations. I love how the book Acts ends in verses Acts 28, 28 through 31. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. So here Paul was in a home with a soldier, so basically like house arrest, he couldn't go anywhere, and he is saying that with all boldness and without hindrance, he still proclaimed the kingdom of God. Nothing stopped him, and I love these verses for no other reason than the faithfulness of Paul's love for God and his people. There was nothing that was going to stop Paul from preaching at this time. He feared God more than he feared for his own life. And now let's talk about the book Romans. So I am going to start off by reading the introduction of Romans that is in my life application study Bible. And then we are going to talk about Romans 1, 11 through 12. And then I am going to read majority of Romans 1 and Romans 2, just because I want to emphasize on all those verses, because it is that good. So let's start with the intro. Knowledgeable and experienced, the district attorney makes his case. Calling key witnesses to the stand, he presents the evidence. After discrediting the testimonies of witnesses for the defense by skillfully cross-examining them, 
He concludes with an airtight summary and staring challenge for the jury. The announced verdict is no surprise. Guilty, states the foreman, and justice is served. The Apostle Paul was intelligent, articulate, and committed to his calling. Like a skilled lawyer, he presented the case for the gospel clearly and forthrightly in his letter to the believers in Rome. Paul had heard of the church at Rome, but he had never been there, nor had any of the other apostles. Evidently, the church had been begun by Jews who had come to faith during Pentecost, which is in Acts 2. They spread the faith on their return to Rome, and the church grew. Although many barriers separated them, Paul felt a bond with these Romans. They were his brothers and sisters in Christ, and he longed to see them face to face. He had never met most of the believers there, yet he loved them. He sent this letter to introduce himself and to make a clear declaration of the faith. After a brief introduction, Paul presents the facts of the gospel and declares his allegiance to it. He continues by building an airtight case for the lostness of mankind and the necessity for God's intervention. Then Paul presents the good news. Salvation is available to all, regardless of a person's identity, sin, or heritage. We are saved by grace, which means unearned, undeserved favor from God through faith, which is complete trust in Christ and his finished work. Through him, we can stand before God justified, not guilty. With this foundation, Paul moves directly into a discussion of the freedom that comes from being saved, freedom from the power of sin, freedom from the denomination, domination, I'm sorry, of the law, freedom to become like Christ and discover God's limitless love. Speaking directly to his Jewish brothers and sisters, Paul shares his concern for them and explains how they fit into God's plan. God has made the way for Jews and Gentiles to be united in the body of Christ. Both groups can praise God for his wisdom and love. Paul explains what it means to live in complete submission to Christ, using spiritual gifts to serve others, genuinely loving others, and being good citizens. Freedom must be guided by love as we build each other up in the faith, being sensitive and helpful to those who are weak. Paul stresses unity, especially between Gentiles and Jews. He concludes by reviewing his reasons for writing, outlining his personal plans, greeting his friends, and giving a few final thoughts and greetings from his traveling companions. As you read Romans, re-examine your commitment to Christ and reconfirm your relationships with other believers in Christ's 
body. That was a good introduction. Alright, let's talk about what I highlighted in Romans 1 and 2. So, beginning with Romans 1, 11 through 12. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. So when I read this, it just made me think of the importance of community and actually being surrounded by people. Paul wanted to do just more than write letters to these people. Like he wanted to see them. He wanted to be connected to them by their presence. And so it's different. It's different than just writing letters back and forth or talking to someone on the phone and or social media all of the time. You know, while it's great to write letters and be connected in other ways, it's also to, important to be in community. We need people. We need Christ-like-minded people to encourage our faith and lift us up. We need each other for two are better than one. If one falls down, the other can help them up. So I encourage you to find your tribe, find those people. And I know it's easier than said. And for those of you who are find, finding it a little difficult to find your people, I know that it may get a little irritating to constantly hear you know, others saying, be in community, find your people. It takes time. If I'm being honest with you, it takes time. You have to pray consistently for God to bless you with godly friendships, but also it takes time to find the right church, find the right people that you're comfortable with, you know, sharing your life with. All of those takes time, but you know, with that being said, we have to put forth effort too. We have to put forth effort in finding the right church, you know, reaching out to people, starting a Bible study, um, just kind of like stepping out of our comfort zone so we can be more in tune with other people and building these relationships that God created us to crave. Okay. Um, Romans 1 verses 16 through 32 and then Romans 2. So that's what I want to read. And I know it's going to seem like a lot of reading, but I promise it is so good that I just said to myself, you know what? I'm just going to read all these verses to them. So it's going to be like a little audio version of scripture. <clears throat> All right, Romans 1:16 through 32. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, 
just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. <laughs> so the reason that I read all of that, and I'm going to continue to read Romans 2, is simply because it can not only speak for itself, as I had stated, but it was, yes, it was written for ancient times and historical contexts. So it was written, you know, for those people, I feel like it can still connect to all of us in some type of way, and it can be applied to today's world. And so that's why I wanted to read all those verses out loud, and I want to continue to read Romans 2. So let's start. 
You, therefore, have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who have passed judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath, when his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will repay each person according to what they have done. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. All who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law. And who all sin under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law, they are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciousness also bearing witness, and their thoughts sometimes accusing them and at other times even defending them. This will take place on the day when God judges people's secrets through Jesus Christ, as my gospel declares. Now you, if you call yourself a Jew, if you rely on the law and boast in God, if you know his will and approve of what is superior, because you are instructed by the law, if you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of little children, because you have in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth. You then, who teach others, do you not teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, 
Do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Circumcision has value if you observe the law, but if you break the law, you have become as though you had not been circumcised. So then, if those who are not circumcised keep the law's requirements, will they not be regarded as though they were circumcised? The one who is not circumcised physically and yet obeys the law will condemn you who, even though you have the written code and circumcision, are a lawbreaker. A person is not a Jew who is one only outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the spirit, not by the written code. Such a person's praise is not from other people, but from God. Who oh, was so good. So let's talk about my joy-filled moment, my aha moment. One of those being where it says a person is not a Jew who is one only outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. Friends, God cares about our hearts. He cares about what is inside of us, not what we are showing other people, not what we are performing. It is not by our performance that we are saved. It is by our faith and by our hearts and by our belief. God knows us. So we can't pretend with him. We may pretend with other people, but guess what? We can't with him. We can't hide from him. So we have to make sure that our hearts matches our actions. And let's talk about where it says that God does not show favoritism. He loves everyone equally. What you and I do for him is not going to win God over better than the other. It's our obedience and our love for him that will win him over. It should never be a competition of who does what better. And our space shouldn't be a judgment zone for other people. Because we never know what someone has gone through to get to where they are today. We do not know everyone's story. We have no idea what God asks other people to do. That person that you and I have judged in the past, because let's be honest, as much as we may not want to be called out on it, we have all judged. We have all judged people by what they look like or by what we have heard or by what they happen to do in front of us one day. But guess what? Whoever we have judged is still 
loved by God. And the more that we judge, the more God judges us. So we need to be very careful with that. And if we judge people, let's not judge them out loud for other people to hear. Because you and I know that sometimes we judge people by what other people say. So if we judge somebody, we need to take that privately to God and ask him to forgive us and to check our hearts. And we need to figure out why we are so judgmental. And I'm not saying this to condone any of you because believe me, I am just as guilty. I have to check myself on the regular because I'm quick to judge sometimes. I mean, even when I'm talking to my kids about some of the things that they come home and and tell me that other people did, you know, I'll catch myself being like, a little judgmental. And then I'm like, whoa, okay, I need to reel it in, you know, because I have to show grace and love. I have to show my kids that I'm being graceful so they can implement that same grace when they are out there living their own lives, you know, and and that goes to saying like, you know, where, oh, let me find it, where it says, um, You know, for instance, right here, you who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? So basically, preach what you practice. And that is very important in parenting. That is important as a believer, as a Jesus follower. You know, if we're telling somebody not to do something, guess what? We shouldn't be doing that either. You know, that's why they say, like, actions are very important. People are going to likely believe what they see more than what they hear you say. So, I always go back to parenting because, you know, that's, that's like my biggest missionary right now. You know, that is my ministry. Like, what happens in my four walls? So, what I'm preaching to my kids, I have to make sure that I'm implementing You know, and like I said earlier, God cares more about our actions. So that is like definitely something to consider and to think about. You know, we are not perfect, but we, if we're telling somebody not to do something, we have to make sure that we are not doing that very same thing that we are warning people about. Okay, so that's it. That is it, friends, for today's episode. Thank you all so much for listening to me and hanging out with me and trusting me enough to come back to my podcast every week. Um, again, you can follow me on my Instagram page, Seek Joy Sister. And I hope you all have a beautiful weekend and I will talk to y'all next week. Bye.